right, so today, as I said before, it's a special Sunday. Don't worry, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep you long. But I really feel like God's laid some things on my heart about parenting and and mentoring. And I mean, just because if you don't have natural kids or your kids are grown and gone, don't just turn me off. Tune out and start thinking about something else. Because today I want to talk to you about parenting and it's funny how crazy people get when you question or criticize their parenting. As I was studying for this message and looking up scriptures and thinking about things and I was thinking, man, this seems kind of hard. I wonder why. And then I thought, oh yeah, because you try to tell somebody they're parenting wrong, you get somebody mad real quick. You don't believe me? Wait till after the service and walk up to a mama in here and tell them something they should do different. Tell me how that goes. Or I can just go ahead and tell you it's probably not going to go very good. In fact, I can't think of a topic where people are more unteachable. As I sit and think about it. You ever tell somebody they need to do something different with their kids, here's what usually happens. They tell you, they'd like turn it around and tell you, well, you should do this with your kids. Well, you should check your look in the mirror. Look at your kid. They're an idiot too. And rather than taking the correction, and we don't do that in all other areas. And I was like, well, I wonder why? why. Why do people get so defensive about it? Maybe because it's like the most important job, the, the biggest thing you've been entrusted with. It's huge. I can't think of a topic where people are more unteachable than parenting, but I can't find any that haven't made mistakes. I can't find one parent that hadn't made a mistake. And they'll even admit it. Although they won't take advice most of the time, they will admit that they hadn't got it all right. And I guess me too. One time Wayne told me that all we can do is try to be better men than our fathers. And some of our fathers make that real easy. Words of wisdom from Wayne Taylor. I heard this preacher last week telling a story about how when he was a little boy, he had a really bad problem with sucking his thumb. Sucked his thumb all the time and it was cute when he was a little baby, but when he was like about four or five years old, he was still had a real problem with sucking his thumb. So his mom tried everything she could to get him to quit and he just would not quit. She disciplined him, she took stuff away from him. She tried uh, dumping Tabasco sauce on his thumb and she said the first couple of sucks was like too hot for him. Well, then he liked it and sucked it even more because it flavored the thumb all day. He's Cajun. He said in telling the story, he actually said it made it taste kind of like a crawfish. <laughs> she tried everything. So he said what his mama said. He's the one that was telling the story. He said that his mom told him and convinced him that the more you suck on your thumb, the bigger your belly will get. 
And he said, I was about five years old, and I looked down, and I was kind of a chubby little five-year-old, and I was thinking, well, dang, it's already getting pretty big. I got to stop this. And he said, it quit. He said, I quit thumb-sucking cold turkey. And it was rough, but I did it. And his mama was real happy. Yeah, it worked. Even though it was a lie, it worked. I got the results I was looking for until they were at the grocery store that week and saw a woman that was nine months pregnant. And little Rick went running up to her and said, I know what you've been doing. And his mama's grabbing. Mama, you told me. Maybe she doesn't know. To be a good parent, we have to tell the truth. Really, to be good Christians, we're called to be people of truth. So we don't lie to get the results we're looking for because we're people of truth. Now, how can I tell my kids a lie to get them to do what I want them to do but then expect them to be honest with me? That's bad parenting. It's one major thing with us in our house, and that's one thing I think we've gotten right is... Don't lie. Tell the truth. Even if it's hard, even if there's stuff we got to work through, even if even if me as the father, even if I'm disappointed in you, tell me the truth. Let's be honest. You want me to trust you? Don't give me a reason not to. So we have to be people of truth. Don't lie to your kids and expect them to be honest. You teach what you know but you reproduce who you are. And I can teach you something all day long, but I'm going to reproduce who I am. Kids can see through a mask. Reproduce who you are. That's good because I'm not a great teacher. Have you ever gotten on to a kid and then realized his mom or his dad was sitting there? That kind of awkward moment? Dumb. I heard, uh, yeah, I'll tell you another story real quick. So I heard, you know, it's 2020 and everybody's doing, a ton of people are doing online school and classes and stuff. And so I heard this lady last week. She said that her son was doing his online school and she had him set up in the living room with his little Chromebook computer and the microphone on so that the teacher could give him instruction. And and the kid was hungry. So his mom made him a little snack and she took it in there and she gave it to her son while he was sitting in front of the computer. And she said, I turned around and walked back in the kitchen. And just as I was walking in the kitchen to wash the dishes or whatever she was doing, she said, I heard that teacher say on the speakers, Johnny which I don't remember his name. I'll say Johnny. Johnny, don't you eat that snack. It is not snack time, and it is not lunch time. You pay attention to this lesson. She said she screamed from the kitchen, this is my house, that is my son, and I gave him a snack. Eat it, Johnny. And then there was this long, awkward silence. The kid didn't say anything. teacher didn't say anything. And the mom said she just stood there thinking, oh, my God, what did I just do? 
Why, why did I just say that? If you tell your child to respect authority and you disrespect authority, then your child will disrespect you. You run around all day teaching your child, we respect authority, but if they look at you and see you disrespecting authority, then they're going to disrespect you. Because you're talking out both sides of your mouth, as they say. You're saying one thing and you're doing another. Here's the thing. Nobody has a perfect family. Nobody's got it all together. We're all growing. We're all on a journey. We've, we've all probably got a little bit of family drama and things that have happened that we wish we could change. Or We've all got one crazy sibling, at least. Like, my mom's sitting in here. Mom, I want to apologize for all the late nights and the tears that have been shed and the stress that you've been put through by some of my siblings. <laughs> and probably some for me. Nobody has a perfect family. So raise your hand if you're a parent and you've made some mistakes. Okay. Raise your hand if you're a kid and you've ever made a mistake. I could raise my hand from. Okay, good. We got everybody in the room. All right. I'm making sure. I'm speaking to everybody. All right. Cool. So this could help anybody that just raised your hand. The next few minutes could help you out. All right. So we're clear on that. So I started thinking about that. And even in the Bible, I can't find a perfect family. A family without mistakes. So I was thinking, well, what about the perfect one, Jesus? Jesus never even sinned. So... Was his family good or was there drama and problems there too? Well, let's see. His stepdad wasn't at any of his stuff, including his ultimate purpose, the crucifixion. Only his mom showed up. His brothers and sisters, all the, the scholars and the commentaries and stuff have different ideas on how many siblings Jesus had. But we know that there were multiple siblings. Jesus had several brothers and sisters and we know that they all had a problem believing who he was look at Mark 3 21 Mark 3 21 and when his friends King James translated that word friends other translations say his own people or his family if you look up the meaning of the word it's literally his family or his siblings all right so jesus was there with the disciples and everybody he's cast out some demons and then right before this he ordained the 12 disciples to be his new crew to follow him around and do ministry and all this and then look and when his friends when his brethren or his siblings heard of it they went out to lay hold on him. For they said, he is beside himself or he is out of his mind. They said, y'all, our brother's gone crazy. Let's go get him before he embarrasses himself and us too. Jesus' siblings. 
when he was trying to start his ministry and he just got done casting out some demons and ordained his 12 disciples and got his crew together for his ultimate purpose and plan in life. And there were his siblings saying, you've lost your mind. What the heck are you doing? Dad said you were supposed to be at work at eight. You know, Jesus was all God and all man. So he had to deal with humanity. Look at John 7, 5. Look what John wrote about it. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Talking about Jesus. But his bros didn't even believe in him. Until after the cross. After the cross in Acts, we can see that his siblings or his brethren were in the upper room. And and they began to believe so much so that James, Jesus' brother, wrote the book of James in your Bible. But it took a while. It wasn't until after the cross that he believed. All right, so Jesus' family wasn't perfect. Hmm. Well, what about heaven? How about the family that God made in heaven? And we know that God's a community being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then he created these angels and heaven was perfect and there was no sin and they had awesome worship services. And there was just one, the Bible tells us, well, beautiful angel. And he was the worship leader and he was awesome. And we know him as Lucifer. Why? Because he decided that he was going to take over and he wanted what God had and let jealousy come in. And, and then God had to cast him down out of heaven, out of the family. You know what he did? Took one third of the kids with him. The angels created beings. He, he took one third of them and that became the demons. But, okay, so heaven... What about Moses, the great leader? You know Moses got so caught up in ministry and leading people that he neglected his family? What about David? (laughs) All kind of crazy happened with David. From adultery to murder to not dealing with a situation with his kids right to where one of his sons then hated him and tried to take over the kingdom and then he got killed and like all kind of drama. That's the man after God's own heart. And God's heart is the heart of a father. So David royally messed up. So if you're a mother or a father that's listening to this message, it's no condemnation. Because you're human. So don't get beat up. Keep moving forward. not David and I thought well what about the first family that God made and he made the garden of Eden and he made Adam and Eve and he put them in there and everything was perfect and they had everything they needed and all he said was there's this one tree just don't eat from this one tree the knowledge of good and evil and live life and multiply and have fun run around naked eating fruit did they do it? nah nope They had to eat it. Why? Because he gave them free will. Why? Because he wanted them to love him. 
And love without free will is not love. I guess it's illegal. <laughs> love is not love if you don't have free will. So God gave us free will, the ability to choose, because he wanted us to choose to love him and to choose to walk in relationship. And then they had a couple kids. So they're probably pretty good parents, right? Maybe their kids grew up and had jealousy problems and were fighting, and one of them got so mad he killed the other one, and then God asked him about it, and he lied. Am I, am I, my, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he is. God's like his, his blood's crying out from the ground telling me what happened. So, nope, that one wasn't perfect. Every family has problems. My question for you today is, what will you do with the time that you have? All right, you're going to get caught up on the past or caught up on things done wrong or caught up on all this stuff. Or what are you going to do with what you have now? Because the time is short. From now and into the future, that's what we need to be focused on. So I'm going to give you a few ingredients, but I can't cook your soup. It's on you. I can look and study through this Bible, and I can give you ingredients that me and Jesse have used that have worked for us, and I can, I can draw wisdom from other people that have been different places, and, and I can come up with some good ingredients. And that's really what we do every Sunday is I give you ingredients but then you got to cook your own soup. I can't cook it for you. And if I give you a, one of those big old cans of salt as one of your ingredients because the soup that God's calling you to make is needs, calls for a little bit of salt and you cut the top off of that thing and dump the whole thing of salt in, your soup's not going to taste good. Your soup, the thing that you've been cooking, is not going to be a blessing to you or the people around you. And the purpose of a good soup, you know I'm not really talking about soup, is to be a blessing to yourself and your, your spouse and your kids and whoever it is that's close around you and then ultimately to the world. So I'm going to give you some ingredients. But you got to go cook. It's on you. You put it into practice, as James said, Jesus' brother. But don't just be a hearer only. You got to do these things. If we're in relationship, I should be able to tell you that your soup doesn't taste good. Bro, there's something a little off. I don't know what you got cooking, but you put a little bit too much selfishness in there. You got a little bit of greed in your soup. That only comes through relationship. And out of love. Otherwise, it does no good. So today, I'm giving you some ingredients for parenting, for mentoring, for grandparenting, for teaching classes from nursery all the way up to youth, for, 
for being a good aunt or a good uncle for I'm going to give you some tools that can be used for all of that stuff for mentoring someone ingredients to be a good sibling even to be a good child God will place people around you that need to grow and the more you develop that father or mother's heart and start to walk in that call the more people that he will place around you that need to grow that need a father that need a mother that need a family where he places the solitary in families physically and spiritually Proverbs 22 6 Train up a child in the way he should go. That word train is discipline. Teach, train. Train up a child in the way he, he or she, should go. It's what we talked about a few minutes ago. Every kid's different. Every kid's not going to be the same. Tyler may need to spank Corbin, but maybe not Paisley. We have to have the wisdom. Train up a child in the way he or she should go. Give them what they need. The discipline that they need. Maybe they need a timeout. Maybe you need to take away an electronic. Maybe you as the parent need wisdom in that. When he is old, he will not depart from it. And people say, well, you just wait. Oh, you, my kids might be doing good right now, but you but just wait till you put them in public school. And then I put them in public school, and then the, they said, because it felt like that's what God wanted me to do. And again, so you maybe God's called you to homeschool, or maybe God's called you to a Christian school or a private school, or it, it's going to be different. For my family, for me and my house, we, we really sought God and put them in public school, and it was okay. Right, and then, oh, you just wait till they hit middle school. That's the hardest time there is. They won't even know who they are. I hope my kids know who they are by then. And I know it's a hard time. It's a transition time. I don't really just sound like this. Scooby-Doo. Eighth grade? Right, they're okay. Oh, you just wait till they hit the high school. <laughs> Things you don't even know about. And back when we were kids, they're okay. Wait till you have one graduate. You'll buck wild on you. I had one graduate. Wait till one of them gets a serious girlfriend. <laughs> just look for the bad and how crazy they're going to go or not or train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he won't depart from it or he'll come back to it or it's in there let's let's look at what Solomon said and we'll close Solomon said in Psalms 127 some of you are like what Solomon, yeah, David's son Solomon, he wrote two psalms. 
So a lot of the, most of the Psalms, a lot of them David wrote and the sons of Asaph. And, but Solomon wrote too. So this is one that Solomon wrote. And we know that Solomon was the wise, according to scripture, Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. So I feel like I can draw some wisdom from the wisest man that ever lived. So let's look at what Solomon had to say about children and parenting. We look at Psalm 127, verse 3. Lo, children are a heritage or a blessing of the Lord. Children are a blessing. If your perspective is anything different, everything else is going to be off. You need to, in your mind, children are a blessing. They're not a burden. They're not a pain. They're not a problem. They're a blessing, and they were given to you by God. They were formed in their, they were, God formed them and placed them in their mother's womb. So, so he starts out by saying, Lo, children are a heritage or a blessing of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. That's fruit of the womb, not fruit of the loom. In case you missed that, that's underwear. We're talking about children. The fruit of the womb are a blessing. So right there in in verse 3, he tells us that kids are a blessing and that kids are a reward. Sometimes they might not seem like a reward and a blessing, but that's what they are. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. They will do things that you could never do on your own. You couldn't face the enemy at the gate. He said, happy is the man whose quiver is full. And he he gives us this word picture that children are like arrows. That's the wisdom of Solomon. He did that a lot. He'd tell us, uh, rather than tell us, don't be lazy, he told us to be like ants. Store up for winter and things. So Solomon gives us this picture. And as we think about it, our homes become archery ranges. And our family is like a quiver. and The kids are arrows. So what's the bullseye? Woody's horse. What's the other bullseye? (laughs) The bullseye we're talking about, the target, the goal. Because if I've got an arrow, hey, look at this. I've got a bow and arrow, and this, bringing the compound bow, I figured it'd be a little too powerful. But if I've got a bow, and I've got an arrow, and this scripture, Solomon is telling us that kids are like an arrow. So, what's the target? Whatever I aim at. Right? I can, I can put this on here and aim it at one of y'all, or I can, I can shoot it down the hallway. And, and the, the harder I pull it back, the further it's going to go. Because an arrow can reach further than I can reach. I can shoot an arrow, and it'll go a lot farther than I can go. It can go higher, go up over a wall. So I'm getting a little bit, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Hold on. 
So, so what's the bullseye? What's the target? What's the goal? What, what are we aiming them at? What, you can say it many different ways, and we can find all different ways throughout Scripture, but that they would be salt and light. That they would love God and people. And that ultimately they would end up back in the arms of their Heavenly Father. And that they would give them what they need to make it through this life. And that the bullseye is there. And whatever amount of time we have, we would do it well. And that we would protect them and love them and sharpen them and straighten them and add the feathers to them that they need to fly right. And to make it to that ultimate destination. But we can't take moments and time for granted because we don't know. As parents, did we do the best we could with the time that we had? For an arrow to hit the target, at some point, you got to let it go. Otherwise, it'll never hit the target. See, if you just keep on holding on to it and holding on to it and holding on to it and you never give them any lead way, you never, you never give the training or because you're just going to hold it so tight, they'll never hit the target. So part of the wisdom of being a parent is knowing how long to hold on and protect and how to pull back as hard as you can. But when the time comes, you've got to be willing to let go. Or they'll never make it to the final destination. And I'm talking physically and spiritually and in the natural. You got to let go. I have a I have a beautiful little niece that hit the target earlier this year the ultimate target back in heaven with the with the father that wrapped his arms around her and we only got a little short time with her and RJ and Rebecca loved her well and they showed her the spirit of God and they showed her worship and it's one of the greatest privileges of my life was I got to go into the NICU and do a dedication service where we dedicated that beautiful little baby back to God. And then RJ and Rebecca had to let go and let her fly towards the target. And Jeannie and Patrick had to do it with Brent. And they got a little over 20 years. And I see Don and Shelly up there, and they had to do it with Krisha. Good parents know when to let go. And sometimes that's hard. But we know that we did the best with the time that we had, the best we could, and that they're ultimately back in the arms of the loving Father, our Father. 
like Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven. You're awesome. How do I am? He told us how, where we, verse 3, what we read first. How do I aim? Always think of kids as a blessing. Never for a minute start thinking that they're a burden or a problem or something you got to figure out. Or Always think of kids as a blessing. Solomon said it in verse 3. Children are a blessing and a reward. I know parenting can be hard sometimes. Sometimes it's very heavy. Sometimes it's a challenge. Like you can't just pick up and go on a trip. All kinds of things change when you have kids. You can't just go out to eat. Unless it's the right time and we're not in the middle of needing a nap time and you wonder if there's going to be food thrown and screaming and hollering and stuff spilled and people staring, thinking what's wrong with them. And then if you don't have kids, you don't have to worry about any of that. If you don't have kids and you do have to worry about any of that, you need marriage counseling. There's food flying and screaming and hollering. and Yeah, that's another, another story, another message. kids definitely change things and sometimes it yeah it can be hard parenting is weighty and if you're not careful a blessing can seem like a burden because they're both heavy don't mistake a blessing for a burden they're both heavy Psychologists tell us that everyone wants to be influential. How to make friends and influence people. And I'm going to tell you today that there's nothing more influential than being a parent. Good, bad, absent, present. But you will influence in a big way. Your child will grow up and read this book or hear a pastor like me say that God is a father and that God has the heart of a mother and your child will either get to the accurate picture of God with ease because of you or with great difficulty in spite of you. That's weighty. So children are a blessing. And there's lots of different arrows. I looked at one arrow shop that has 180 different kinds of arrows. But he said you can also change the tips and feathers and the ends and all kinds of things on there. So actually there's like, you can't even really number it. It's kind of unlimited how many different arrows there could be. Right, for all different things. 
they all have got to aim at the target. They're all aiming for the mark, for the prize. Kids are different. Arrows extend your reach. You aim, you create a strong system, a house, a launching pad, if you will, a.k.a. the bow. As strong as you can. And you pull it back and you let go. Arrows go places that you can't go. Think about that mom. Remember the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and, and, and we talk about the little boy that gave his lunch. Right? And he fed. He was part of Jesus' story. And he got to feed all these thousands of people. Guess what we don't talk about? Mama that was at home that packed him that lunch. She equipped him and gave him what he needed to be used by God. Even though it seemed like an ordinary thing. She said, hey, wait. Put your shoes on and take a Lunchable. Mom, the, the crowd's going. All my friends are already headed out. Nope, take a Lunchable and put your shoes on. And then she let him go, and that's what he needed to be used by God. We give our kids what they need, even though, even sometimes, it doesn't seem that big. Like, I don't have that much to give. I wish I had more. I wish I could give my kids the world. But little is much when they're aimed at the right target. Or when they're headed toward Jesus and the plan that he has. I was just thinking this morning because I was looking up stuff about the bow and arrow. And they say a bow and arrow is considered an offensive weapon only it's a horrible defensive weapon like nobody wants to be in hand to hand combat with a bow I don't maybe you start stabbing people with arrows but you're not I mean I hope you have a bow if me and you are fighting hand to hand hope that's the weapon you choose like it's an offensive weapon it's so that you can hit something far away, that it can go far. And I thought about that teaching, like we taught about it not that long ago, about the armor of God and how in the armor of God, the sword is the only offensive weapon and the others are for defensive or protection. Or, I mean, the shield can kind of be used, but if you lose your sword, you're not gaining ground. You can't keep advancing, and you're not going to win the fight without your offensive weapon. And we know that the sword is the Word of God. So as long as I have God's Word, I have my offensive weapon, as long as I can hear God's voice and have His Word, then I can keep gaining ground, and I can keep winning the battles that are in front of me because I'm supposed to hold on to the sword, and I never want to drop it, and I never want to lose it. But here today, we see that kids are also an offensive weapon that we're supposed to let go of. So we hold on to the word. We hold on to the sword so that we can keep growing and we can keep gaining ground. But we let go of our other offensive weapon. And we watch them go further than we could ever go. And with each generation, the kingdom grows. 
and we advance the kingdom of light. I want to see my kids do more than I ever did. That's the heart of a father. It's not a heart of competition. So I gave you some ingredients. I gave you some instructions. And now I leave you with the last reminder that time is short. Y'all know I'm not a poem guy. In fact, I don't remember if I've ever read y'all a poem in church. I don't think I have. But I'm gonna close the service with this poem. My precious boy with the golden hair came up one day beside my chair and fell upon his bended knee and said, Oh, Mommy, please play with me. I said, Not now. Go on and play. I've got so much to do today. He smiled through tears in his eyes so blue. When I said, we'll play when I get through. But the chores lasted all through the day and I never did find time to play. When supper was over and dishes done, I was much too tired for my little son. I tucked him in and kissed his cheek and watched my angel fall asleep. As I tossed and turned upon my bed, those words kept running in my head. Not now, son, go on and play. I've got too much to do today. I fell asleep and in a minute's span, my little boy was a full grown man. No toys are there to clutter the floor. No dirty fingerprints on the door. No snacks to fix, no tears to dry. The room just echoed my lonely sigh. And now I've got the time to play, but my precious boy is going away. I the time to play but my precious boy is gone away I awoke myself with a pitiful scream and realized it was just a dream for across the room in his little bed lay my curly haired boy the sleepy head my work will wait till another day for now I must find some time to play is short do the things don't put them off don't wait 
really in the long run, how much does stuff matter? It doesn't. People do. Relationships do. Your kids do. So take the ingredients. Do what you can do. Cook some good soup because I'm hungry. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. God, thank you for the privilege and the honor of being part of your family, being called your sons and your daughters. God, I thank you for every parent that stood up here and for every child that was represented here today as we, we dedicated those kids back to you. God, you gave them to us in the first place. You gave them to their parents. And God, what a beautiful thing that we as their, their pastor and their body and their community and their friends and family and parents could stand today and say, God, we give them back to you, your purpose. Hey, God, we're looking at the prize. We're looking at the target. And we're going to train them up. And we'll give them discipline and instruction. We'll give them the opportunities that they need. We'll, we'll give them deep roots. We'll give them their identity so that they know who they are. God, give us wisdom as parents and teachers and leaders, mentors and big brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and wherever we find ourselves in life. We want to be a representation of you to the world. And you are a father. You were a father before you were a creator. And we want to look like you, Dad. We want to be the fathers and the mothers. And the family that you've called us to be. So forgive us of our mistakes. And help us to move on. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.